Welcome to Conceptually Speaking, the show where we interview experts in a variety of fields to uncover the systems and patterns that help us to conceptualize and reconceptualize our world. I'm Julie Stern, founder and principal facilitator for Learning That Transfers. And I'm Trevor Elio, English language arts lead for Learning That Transfers. This podcast uses our mental model as a sense-making tool through acquiring, connecting, and transferring conceptual relationships to unlock new situations. Our guests identify three to five concepts at the heart of their field, and we discuss how those play out in a variety of settings. You can find out more about our work, including our online courses and other professional learning offerings at learningthattransfers.com. Hello, listeners. Conceptually Speaking is returning from its holiday hiatus with an episode we've been itching to release. This week, Kayla joined Julie to have a conversation with Danny Bauer, author, podcast host, and the brain behind Mastermind, a coaching group and leadership development community. His recent book, Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader, is a fantastic text for anyone hoping to upskill their capacity to serve and lead others. Danny's passion for supporting and sustaining the growth of educators, specifically leaders, shines through the entire dialogue. It's clear he has devoted time and effort to cultivate his unique vision for effective leadership, quoting everyone from Seth Godin to Walt Whitman, all in under an hour, while sharing how he brought the mastermind model to education. And that was the epiphany. That was the moment when I'm like, whoa, what if I offered that in the education space, right? And essentially throw this party on a weekly basis and invite creative, innovative, uh, ruckus makers, right, that want to make change happen in education. And what if we talk deeply about education and leadership on a consistent basis? So think about that weekly. That's a pretty intense cadence, you know. Uh, but when you have leaders from around the world engaged in that kind of high level discussion, what comes out of that is exponential. Danny's innovative approach and philosophy on leadership make for some compelling stories and actionable advice for anyone in educational leadership. We hope you enjoy. This episode of Conceptually Speaking features Danny Bauer, who is Chief Ruckus Maker of Better Leaders, Better Schools. Welcome, Danny. Hey, good to see you, Julie and Kayla. It's so nice to uh, have, you know, be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we're super excited. We're going to talk primarily about your new book. However, uh, the reason we rotate out our co-host, the reason I asked Kayla Duncan, who is our mathematics lead, um, to be co-host with me is also because she is my sort of leadership partner in crime. We do our leadership course together. Um, She is a leader in her school district. And so I just thought she'd be great to be a co-host with me um, to chat with you. So tell us a little bit first about Better Leaders, Better Schools. Yeah, so back in 2015, you know, it's actually just a week ago, um, September 2nd, uh, celebrated six-year anniversary. of. Ah, congrats. (laughs) Yeah, and that that was wild and had fun reflecting on leadership lessons learned, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, over the years. But back back then, you know, uh, I've always been a learner, you know, and I went to a conference called the Global Leadership Summit. And from the stage, they said, everybody wins when a leader gets better. And, you know, I've taken that motto and made it my own. And I've added everybody wins when you get better, right? When you, Julie, when you, Kayla, get better, when you, the listener, get better. And it's like JFK's quote, that a rising tide lifts all boats. So it's this, I felt the gravity, the responsibility around that quote. And yeah, I was at a conference for 
two days uh, learning how to be more effective in my leadership role. Uh, but then I looked at my calendar and it was really absent of a lot more development. And so I had, a, I had a tough mirror moment, like, what am I doing? And if the community is relying on me to grow myself, uh, I need to get serious about this. So I looked within the district, there really wasn't a lot of opportunities to grow in the way I wanted to grow, right? When they brought us together, it's the usual, and this is a generalization, but it's also my lived experience. Hey, raise student achievement, increase attendance, decrease discipline, or you're fired, right? Like, okay. But how do you craft meaningful vision? You know, how do you engage in difficult conversations? How do you address uh, systematic, you know, prejudice, you know, oppression and racism that might exist? That's what I was interested in, and it wasn't being taught. So I figured if I talk to Julie, if I talk to Kayla on a podcast, learn from your, you know, failures and your success stories, and most importantly, take action on just one idea that you learn. I figured that I would grow my skill set. So. What I didn't realize is that the podcast would really resonate with, with my community. Uh, it would grow tremendously. It would, it would afford me the opportunity to serve school leaders in a full-time capacity. Yeah. And so six years later, you know, there's a million and a half downloads. There's, you know, 80 people in these cohorts that we get to serve within the mastermind. And uh, as you know, the, the book will be coming out, co-published by Corwin and AASA. So I think we're we're right on the edge of something really cool about to happen. So it already has been, but it's it's going to probably blow my mind what happens. In yeah, October. yeah, love that. Right, we have we share a mutual publisher in Corwin, and we were introduced by our fabulous uh, now former editor because she just uh, went on off on her own as a freelancer. But Ariel Curry, she's so amazing, and she connected yes. us. And anybody Ariel connects me with, I'm like, well, this person's going to be amazing. So uh, yeah. <laughs> super enjoyed meeting you and. Um, learning about your podcast, your journey, you know, you were one of the first, you, we, we were kind of like the, uh, the imitators over here on conceptually speaking, but you with, with your podcast were one of the first uh, with that. So really, really love to have you on. And, and I think a year from now, maybe I'll be, I'll get to be on your podcast because you book out so far uh, ahead. You touched a little bit on mastermind. I love the subtitle. So it's called mastermind unlocking talent within every school leader. And this is a book that's coming out really soon. Maybe by the time this podcast airs, it, you can you can have it in your hands. But it's not because just went to press yesterday, I think, uh, for when we're yeah. recording this. So tell us a little bit about that book, and then if you want, you can go ahead and go into your ABCs, or we can we can break those down after you tell us a little bit overview. So the, the interesting thing, you know, this this for your listeners, uh, I just want to encourage them because um, I had been you know, just working consistently in an attempt to provide value to those I serve, right? Uh, and, and not like out there sort of like pitching to publishers and that kind of stuff and whatever. And, and the encouragement is that people are watching, right? And especially when you, when you find your thing, you know, what I would call like your zone of genius or your superpower, like just be confident in that and focus on service and creating value and the rest I believe takes care of itself. So that's the context because uh, I think it was, it was either, it was 2019 in humbly, right? Like literally every education publisher wanted to do a book with me, but Ariel, who we both love, she goes, let's do a book on the mastermind, right? Like she pitched, she actually pitched that idea to me. And I'm like, huh, talk about how I serve school leaders. Like I, 
believe it or not, I never thought about writing a book on that topic, which seems kind of silly looking, looking back. Uh, in, and I love to be transparent. I wanted to create something of value that people could grow from and not make it a 200 page sales letter, right? right? Honestly, because it is, there is a business part of it. Uh, we figured it out. We, we definitely pulled it off, which I, you know, I'm relieved at that. Um, but that was just a really cool opportunity. So it was a, it was a heck yes. And the funny thing too, is that the content was really great, but the organization was terrible. I don't know what your writing process mm-hmm. is like, you know, Julie and Caleb, mm-hmm. but uh, Ariel was like, hey, your organization is just like God awful, right? It sucks. <laughs> you know, she didn't really say that. But I, didn't, I know she didn't. I know she didn't say it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was so scared. And, and this for the listener, too, is like we all have imposter syndrome, right? That's One right. of my mentors, Seth Godin, he, he talks about this idea called Sonder which means we all have hopes and aspirations. We all want to take care of our kids. We want to have shelter, put food on the table. And the other side of that, we all have, you know, fears, you know, mm. and challenges and that kind of stuff. So that's important to know because when I did my first book, it was self-published. I hired somebody to put it together in a book form that people expect out of a book. Mm-hmm. And I hired an editor and she took the crazy ideas and organized it for me. Right. Now, Ariel, my editor is saying that's your job. And so I'm like, oh, no, I can't do this, honestly. Mm-hmm. So and one more tip for the listener, too, is a lot of times uh, you slog through the work, you keep pushing, you add more hours. That doesn't help you create something better. Mm-hmm. And so the, the key to writing a better book was to stop writing a book. Mm-hmm. And so I walked away from my computer, got in my office spent a lot of time in nature just walking around right Mm -hmm. and I I thought okay a lot of books have frameworks how can we organize it and that kind of thing and trying to create something that'd be memorable in our education space I'm like "Hmm, can I do something with that with ABCs right like Mm -hmm. obviously that's foundational Mm -hmm. and uh, when I really started to think deeply about why the mastermind worked what came to me was when you combine and integrate authenticity belonging and challenge into a professional development experience, it leads to life and leadership transformation. Mm. I said, okay, I got it. So Mm. I went back, wrote it, organized it in that way. And Ariel also said, you got it. She, mm-hmm. she stopped saying it sucks. And she's like, it, so. <laughs> that's awesome. Congrats. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our book similarly has ACT, Acquire Connect Transfer. And, you know, it's it's essentially what I've been saying since my first book came out in, in 2017, but yeah. not, it's so crystal clear that yeah. it, the, 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 sort of impact in the world is so much greater. It's resonating so well. So I love uh, you're also just three things, ABC, authenticity, belonging, challenge. Um, before we jump into those and unpack them, I want to pass the baton to Kayla. Do you, what sort of swirling, Kayla is like, uh, you know, it, what's your exact title in your district's like personalized instructional coach? Well, they all, they're always kind of changing it on you, right? And yeah, I was just about to say it changed. I am now an innovation specialist. Um, innovation specialist was personalized yes. learning coach. Okay. Yep. Um, what's coming to your mind as you're, as you're listening about better leaders, mastermind growing, those types of things. I, so I've already started jotting my little pictures and my notes here as we go. And the, idea of finding your your zone of genius that really resonate with me and not 
worrying about feeling like an imposter, knowing that you're, mm. you're learning, you're growing, you're working to try your best and to help. Um, and then that idea of you would put it in context of a book, but no matter what you're working on, the hours don't equate to quality or improvement or whatever that might be for you or for students. And so just taking a breath and thinking about what is it that I'm trying to do or wanting to get across. And so again, thinking about how you can grow yourself and stop worrying so much about the perfect product or outcome. That's kind of what really stood out with me. Mm. Um, because I told Julie before, when we first started working on the book, like I had a red pen PTSD from high school. It's, <laughs> I was so nervous. And that idea of feeling like an imposter was a, a real thing, but just taking a minute to think about how can you share uh, your genius? How can you uh, contribute to something that's quality for education that's needed? I love that advice and to not worry about the imposter piece. Oh, I love that. That's so related to your first, a, you know, your first word, a authenticity, you know, <laughs> be being yourself. Um, let's before we jump into that, Danny, I'd love to for you to tell listeners, what is your mastermind? I'm honestly thinking about joining this because I love the idea. Uh, what is your business aspect of mastermind? Yeah, so thank you, Julie. And the, the mastermind, you know, I actually joined one in 2015. So mm. when I started the podcast, honestly, I'm like, how do I reach as many people as possible? And I was already listening. I was a podcast junkie back then. And, and I heard my mentor, he just happened to be on like every show. Like it didn't mm. matter to what show I went. He was there. <laughs> his, his voice, you know, was back to authenticity. Like it really resonated with me. You know mm. what he was saying. And this was a guy who was successful in both life and in business and just looking for mentors. You know, I think that's something that everybody deserves. So I said, okay, I'm worth it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I ended up joining his mastermind. And that was the epiphany. That was the moment when I'm like, whoa, what if I offered that in the education space, right? And essentially throw this party on a weekly basis and invite creative, innovative, uh, ruckus makers, right? That want to make change happen in education. And what if we talk deeply about education and leadership on a consistent basis? So think about that weekly. That's a pretty intense cadence, you know? Uh, but when you have leaders from around the world engaged in that kind of high level discussion, what comes out of that is exponential. It's just, it's truly, it's truly a magical experience. And so that. That has been, you know, what I brought to the table. Uh, the format of it, it varies. It's personalized. It really is to the group. But in, in each group, we'll slow all leaders down. I don't know if both of you resonate with this. A lot of leaders, for example, like writing a book, you're going to go uh, accomplish that milestone and you don't pause and celebrate, like, you know, and really enjoy, look at what we've done together. And it's normally let's start racing towards the next project. So mm -hmm. purposely, I make every leader stop and we think about what we've accomplished. Uh, one of my enemies in education is like the hoarding of resources, you know, and, and I don't understand why ideas or materials, however you want to think of resources don't flow freely, even within districts. So if I have a school A here and school B is literally right down the street, a lot of times they're competing with each other instead of collaborating. And I just think that's so silly. 
especially like if all kids would benefit from the best ideas and resources, why aren't we sharing that? So within the context of the mastermind, we freely share tips and resources. Again, everybody wins when the leader gets better. We do high level book studies. So one of the edges I chose, we don't read any books in education. We only read leadership books from other industries, not because they're better, but my assertion is that the kind of leader I serve is already a learner. So they're reading all those books. Why bring them something they've already read? So I expose them to things that they're like, I would never would have chose that book, Danny, but thank you so much for picking that one out. Yeah, so so we do that. And then after, honestly, after George Floyd's murder, we uh, looked more at equity, diversity, inclusion. And so we've read uh, How to Be Anti-Racist. We've read The Person You Mean to Be. We're currently reading Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, which is a very difficult read, looking at just the history you know, of the United States. And, and honestly, it's not like an optimistic book or provide a lot of answers. So there's tension within the mastermind right now. But what I tell the leaders is that the, the answer is you. Don't look to the author or anybody else for how to address this. Like Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, I don't have the quote memorized, but essentially he says, it's, it's not to like ask of life, like what the meaning of life is, you know, or to ask anybody else. He says, the point is that life is asking you. And the point is, how are you going to answer it? So I said, the opportunity and the, the potential, the answer is all of you, right? All of you, because education is the key to changing my mindset and making a, a more equitable and just society. And so I, I hope to encourage you know, leaders in that way. And the last thing I'll say on, on this little equity riff is that uh, we'll be reading um, inclusive conversations in 2022. So that, that's a big part of it. And then leadership books too. Uh, last part. So after a high level book study is the hot seat. So the hot seat's really cool. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, but imagine having a personal board of directors, you know, a group launches with four leaders and it's capped at 15. That's that's sort of the boundaries for us. But at a full group, imagine having 14 other leaders from around the world where you can give short context of a challenge or project, you know, that you're facing and then leveraging their collective intelligence, experience, expertise to uh, equip yourself with a more robust approach to that challenge or project like that again done on a weekly basis obviously valuable for you when you sit on the hot seat but when you when somebody else is on the hot seat feels good to help people out you're reminded of things you need to be prepared of or whoa what's going on here i didn't even know that's a thing in education mm. now i'm actually a proactive leader because I, I'm seeing the trends. I'm finding out about stuff that's happening right now. And I didn't even know I had to prepare for it. Mm -hmm. So that that's basically the context. Love that. Love that. That would be that, that would be stressful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in a good way. Uh, and I think that gets at your third uh, concept of challenge. Can we start with authenticity? Why why you were you were going for ABC? I like that you were looking for you know a word with A, a word with B, a word for C. Uh, what what made you choose authenticity for A? Yeah, so the the cheeky answer is that I needed a word for A, right? Like <laughs> yeah, I just I mean if I wanted to make ABC work, what's an A word? But you know when you talked about your work and your acronym of ACT, 
when I think about me and how I serve school leaders, and one, one of the things I think too that makes Better Leaders, Better Schools uh, a value added sort of opportunity for leaders is that there's a lot of people who talk about curriculum or you know just the business of school, the operations of school, but how many folks just focus on the leader? Like that's, that's really my focus. The rest of the stuff we can talk about, but I'm not as interested in. I'm more interested in you, the human being, the individual, maybe the, you know, the wife, the mother or whatever, right? Family and this kind of stuff. So my work for years has been about showing up as yourself and you learn from mistakes, right? I can remember as a first year teacher in Marietta, Georgia, right? I'm moving from Chicago, a Midwestern boy, <laughs> right? And an urban boy to uh, Marietta, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. And it's a different culture, obviously. Uh, I'm in a middle school that's just massive, thousands of kids, right? Two buildings. It's insane how, how big this place is. I'm a sixth grade teacher. I'm looking at one of my eighth grade colleagues. He teaches history. I teach language arts. He's a former military guy. He's a veteran. And he has eighth graders, like the kings and queens of the building, right? They line up in front of the classroom, single file, probably like hands behind their back, completely silent. And they go in their classroom, which is, of course, in rows. And I don't see any chaos, you know? I don't see any, like, discipline issues or whatever. I'm like, this guy hasn't figured out. Because my classroom has always been messy. The mastermind's still messy. And, and I've learned to accept that. You can, you can have and design powerful learning experiences. And it doesn't have to be quiet and in rows, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But at the time, as I'm just learning what it means to be an educator, I'm like, that's the ticket. So I start, you know, lining my kids up in rows and trying to keep them quiet. Oh, I think, I, think I, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was a disaster, right? So that didn't last like even 72 hours. And then I trusted to go back to myself. And when I leaned into who I was, more of creative chaos, having fun, connecting with students in, in very real authentic ways and building relationships with them and their families, mm. the learning, you know, exploded within the classroom. Uh, but the, so authenticity has always been important to me. And Kayla mentioned, you know, the imposter too. So it's just like, how do you stay true to your voice? So that's something that we do, we do explore. It makes me think, or just wonder, as you're talking about authenticity and leadership, um, there's so often turnover with leadership. And so with even with new administrators or school leaders coming into buildings that have a great culture and have um, all their ducks in a row and all those pieces. But what advice might you give leaders who are new to be authentic to themselves, but to also honor the culture and like things that are already established within a school? Yeah, that's a really great question, Kayla. So if there's already a, a high performing school is what you're saying that has a pretty nice culture and that kind of thing. And you're coming in there and maybe a bit different. Like, how do you honor that? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, essentially. So I, th I think it's, you know, do your due diligence and trying to understand why the culture works and that kind of stuff, right? So mm -hmm. to me, it's a, about being uh, very curious and open-minded, reserving judgment, you know? I think we, we judge way too fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, focusing on relationships, you know? Mm -hmm. If you do that, 
and can, you know, like an active listener. I sort of did that with you. Do I understand your question correctly? Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if people believe that you see them and hear them, right, that mm -hmm. they matter, uh, mm -hmm. then you build that relational capital and you can stretch them in ways that they weren't ready to do, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. But if you come in there, and I, I taught in Houston too, so like cowboy metaphor, guns ablazing, mm -hmm. right? Like <laughs> uh, if you come in there like that, whoa, 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 cowboy, right? Like yeah. who are yeah. you? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like go slow to go fast so that you get permission to be yourself. But you don't have to change who you are. You just have to take the stance of a learner first. Be a mm. learner first. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. Thank you. Love that. Thank you for saying that's awesome. I like it. The, <laughs> the positive reinforcement. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that bit, um, especially at the end of go slow to go fast to then get the permission. Um, that's it's so important when you're thinking about things that you want to put in place or change or ideas, just that it's part of um, some of the pieces that we talk in our leadership course about is we try to encourage all of the leaders in our course to think about where, where are they at this current point in time? How can they communicate effectively mm -hmm. with their staff about any changes they want to make? So I really like that piece to get permission. And because as a leader, we do, we can't just go in, as you said, as a cowboy guns a blazing, we need permission and acceptance um, and willingness from those that we're working and that we're serving. And so I loved that bit at the end there. Thank you. And so let's move to belonging, your next concept. So authenticity, being who you truly are as a leader. Love that. We've had some other, many of our podcast guests, I think, are choosing that word, which are, and, and just the idea of, uh, we had a, another podcast guest talk about teachers being their authentic selves. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's just, it's really nice to hear, you know, everyone should be their authentic selves, I think is, is, a, de is a decent uh, trend that we're seeing. And then the concept of belonging. Oh, love that word mm -hmm. so much um and just would love for to hear you unpack it in the context of leadership development yeah so when we're talking about belonging in the context of uh, the mastermind too uh you know i think about shared purpose inclusive environment and trust and so mm -hmm. like let's talk shared purpose just for a second and there's there's a really great coach you know his name's steven chandler and if i could offer the listener a book in addition to all our books that are available, uh, <laughs> he has one called Crazy Good. And it's it's a book about choices is what he says. And I think there might be 12, 12 choices, for, uh, for example. And within my book, I retell a story that he does. But essentially, he, he mentions how agreements are more important than expectations. And in his view, it's really interesting. He's like, expectations are basically like toxic and top down mm -hmm. and really uh kind of snuff out the light of creativity you know and, and and people wanting to collaborate and that kind of thing and think about it like when you have an expectation that i don't know x thing gets done within a school what happens when people don't do it you're mad you're frustrated right disappointed etc but it's not a good feeling right so that's if they don't do it and if they do do it how do you feel well they should have done it that was my expectation you know, mm -hmm. so it's not like it doesn't even improve the situation if people are fulfilling expectations. So what uh, Chandler talks about is the power of agreements. And essentially, that is bottom up leadership, you know, it's organic leadership, it's, 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 uh, 
not necessarily it doesn't have to be like flat organization, but it's really tapping into the the creativity and brilliance within all your people and potential. Uh, and so essentially, if you had that same project that's due, you have a very candid conversation about what can you agree to, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a dialogue, it's back and forth instead of top down in terms of what does success look like? What does quality look like? When can you deliver it? And then you could really hold people accountable, right? They're on the hook. If they've, you know, met you and, and said, like, here's what you can, ex- you know, we, this is what we can agree to. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a different kind of vibe within a culture and a community. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to do that within a school, that does create belonging, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, shared purpose and agreements are really, really important. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, and you talked about also trust, um, yeah. which, which I, I love. We, we, we use a lot of Jim Knight's work on instructional coaching and, mm. um, you know, he has this great video about how he did this massive quantitative study of, uh, teachers who were coached by people that, you know, principals and teachers deemed master coaches. Um, okay. and he interviewed them and said, you know, tell us why you, ha- this coach is effective. Mm-hmm. And they put out all of the responses, you know, into a database. And the number one word that came up among all of these interviews was trust. Um, right. And he sort of breaks down kind of how you can both erode trust and therefore how you can build trust. Um, and so what, you know, can we just sort of unpack that word a little bit? So you, what, what's your insights about, about how leaders can develop that? To me, it's uh, if you broke it down just very broadly into two sort of strokes of the paintbrush, trust is about doing what you say you do on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, really, that's really like the foundation of it. And mm-hmm. what gets in the way, like connecting dots here, the imposter, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of leaders that come to the mastermind. Uh, or I just, you know, social listening, looking what school leaders are saying on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, or even mm-hmm. when I hop on a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is that there's a pressure that it's a myth in school leadership. Like this is, I guess, another enemy of mine when it comes to education. You don't need all the answers to mm-hmm. all the questions. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be an expert at everything. And it's mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous that some leaders feel that pressure or districts make leaders mm-hmm. feel that way. That's right. So anyways, that leads to an erosion of trust because then you start committing to and saying that you'll be able to deliver things that you have no business playing around with, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So as long mm-hmm. as you, if you can be consistent with doing the things you say you'll do, you can go very far with people. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me is trust. But again, the reflecting, you know, of, of listening, really getting to know people being like all in on relationships. That's, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And what are you similarly, what, what, what have you found or what does your book say about how leaders can foster belonging? And are you talking about, wait, here's a clarifying question before we go there. Are we talking about belonging in the mastermind or belonging like among faculty in a school? I think it translates to both mm-hmm. environments. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's that's why I'm really actually excited about the book because it didn't become a 200 page sales letter. And I'm like, <laughs> this is really 
Like I've impressed myself, you know, and honestly, <laughs> awesome. that, that didn't happen until Ariel said that you did it right. Yeah, like to have yeah, her yeah. lesson. Cause she's, she's hard to impress. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's quite candid, quite <laughs> uh-huh. candid. Uh, again, Ariel, I know you're listening. So thanks for telling me that organization. <laughs> but uh, it, it actually translates to both. I'm talking about it within the mastermind, but my assertion is if you integrate that authenticity, belonging challenge within a classroom, it would transform there too. So I talk about that stuff at at a high level. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually kind of forgot what your question was. Well, you know, I I love that. I mean, yeah, we kind of went, so we're, it's sort of like going, circling all the way back to your original Better Leaders, Better Schools. The whole purpose of education is to grow. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's foundational. This has been an aha for me over the last year. It's foundational to grow. Um, you know, I love this quote from Zach Stein in his book, Education in a Time Between Worlds. He says, you don't have to trick someone into growing, but that into learning, you know, that, that is what the, what human beings have done since the beginning of time. We, we learn. Um, and so if you, if you find yourself trying to trick somebody into learning, then something's gone awry. Um, and what I love is teachers are trying to get kids to learn and grow and be, because of our changing world, educators, teachers have to grow. And I think what you're saying is that a missing piece often is how are leaders growing? Because we all need to be learning and growing, continuous lifelong learning. Um, and so I just, you know, I just sort of had that like aha of, of what we're talking about and how everything kind of transfers from one situation to another, from the classroom to the teacher level, to the leader level. My question was really about belonging. Um, is there a way, is, is, the, or is there a nugget of wisdom you could share for listeners about the concept of belonging and how leaders or teachers could help to develop it in their space, in their setting? Yeah, I would say uh, meditate on these three lines of poetry I'm about to share with you. And right. it's uh, from Walt Whitman's Song of Myself. And it's in it's in my book under the subhead of inclusive environments. So that's mm-hmm. the context of where, mm-hmm. where I share the quote. But Walt says, I celebrate myself and what I assume you shall assume for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. Right. And that could be unpacked in a, a million different ways. There's the authenticity of celebrating yourself, you know, basically the shared responsibility of the task at hand. It's not just yours. It's not just mine. It's us. And that last line for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. You know, I think one of the things that happens within classrooms, which are a microcosm of society is just uh, putting people into categories and otherizing, you know, others and this kind of stuff, but really like all, we're not that different, you know, and what, makes us similar too. like there's a lot of good stuff there so let's Mm -hmm. focus on that right and create an environment where we can celebrate all the gifts you know that exist within a classroom within a school district within a mastermind Mm -hmm. and so that like just meditate on those lines and Mm -hmm. and like Victor Franco said it doesn't matter what I say the question is asked of you the listener Mm -hmm. to figure Mm -hmm. out what that means Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love that excellent excellent Okay, moving into the last concept of challenge. So the first two I would say are kind of warm and fluffy. And then you're Uh, like, 
boom, you hit them with with the (laughs) challenge because you don't grow if you're not challenged, right? I mean, is that kind of where you're going with that or or let us know what, why you chose that as your seat? Totally, totally. You know, uh, there's so many people that have great ideas and talk a lot of stuff, right? How many of your friends said they could have invented Netflix or Uber or whatever (laughs) successful thing is out there? Like, oh yeah, I had that idea years ago. Well, great. but you didn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so a huge component and one, one way people experience me, I encourage you uh, through various means to take action. action. Like that mm-hmm. is all that matters. John Doerr, who wrote uh, a really cool book, Measure What Matters, which is about objectives and key results, like goals, mm-hmm. setting mm-hmm. and achievement. Uh, he said, ideas are easy, execution's everything. And that is the name of the game. So everybody can talk, talk, talk. It's why, why, you know, you don't read reviews and that kind of stuff. Because everybody there, they didn't write a book, you know, Mm -hmm. like all the critics. (laughs) Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. and so taking action is, at the end of the day, really what I care about. And so when I think about challenge, I think about leadership mindset. I think about, you know, taking action. And then challenge also within surrounding yourself with other A player, you know, what I call ruckus makers uh, in education. Um, there's always like what I, what I call the, the rookie effect. When somebody new joins the mastermind, sometimes uh, unfairly they start evaluating themselves against the others in there, right? Which is not, not fair to themselves. Uh, these leaders are, are very successful in that kind of thing. And since people are new to the cohort, um, and they see that there's already an established culture and all this kind of stuff. Where do I fit in? Like people will figure it out and you just got to give yourself some runway uh, and able to do that. But sometimes it's easier to stay isolated, right? Mm-hmm. Isolation, number one enemy to excellence. And I think research would show too, and I won't spend too much time here, but I remember just looking at a 2020 study done by NAESP, in the Learning Policy Institute, they researched like 400 something principles, which I think is a pretty good number that we could generalize from the results. And essentially they asked them, you know, what does your professional development look like? And just three quick facts, right? 32% of those principles spent time sharing leadership practices with peers three or more times in the past two years. 23%, so less than a quarter had access to a mentor or coach in the past two years. And if that principle served in a high poverty uh, uh, environment, only 10% of those principles had access to a mentor or coach. And then 56%, still nothing to celebrate, participated in a PLC three or more times in the past two years. Now think about this, if your doctor or dentist wasn't regularly growing his or her skill set and connecting with peers and learning the most effective and modern ways to treat your ailments, would you go to that expert, right? To work on your body. How do we allow in schools, right? Leaders to operate in isolation, to not get that coaching and mentorship, not be pushed and challenged to what I call level up and still lead a school. So the system's designed perfectly to get the results we're getting. And if we want to iterate and help education evolve and become better, right, then we got to address what it looks like for leaders, you know, to to connect. And so that's why I say powerful community is actually a part of the challenge, because you have to say, I'm fed up with doing this alone. 
I want to surround myself with other ruckus makers and A players. I want them to poke holes through my ideas. And, th and that's the thing is you're signing up for, like, just for example, if you were in the mastermind, we would be team Julie, team Kayla. We would mm. want you to succeed. That's right. We're all going to push you, you know, mm -hmm. in your thinking. Mm -hmm. And when you need to hear something hard, you're going to hear it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really quite a nice little opportunity for you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love that. Kayla, what's, you look like you're going to say something. What's, what's, what's yeah, it just it ties back into that idea of everyone wins when you get better and mm -hmm. being open to uh, no matter what level of leadership you're working on that idea of we can all get better and we can grow and the the wanting to have the holes poked in our ideas i have some friends and some colleagues who are really great with that and sometimes it's tough to have your ideas mm -hmm. challenged you know like it's at yeah. first it can be like no this is a great idea why can't you just say so and but then after you take a minute it's having that reflective thought and acknowledging where you were poked and prodded and the ideas that result from that, even if it's uncomfortable, that that challenge makes the idea that much better. So I love that piece. And then the innovating with others and avoiding isolation, I think is so critical. And it's, it's been tough, especially over the past however long COVID has been happening, you know, it's made it even more where people are isolated. Um, if they were virtual or if they're in their buildings, but they're sequestered to a certain part to avoid moving about. And so I think um, the mindset and all these different pieces where you're able to bring groups together to learn and grow, it's, it's great to still have that, that opportunity. But I really love the, the idea of challenge. I just also swirling in my head. Sometimes it's really hard to, to be challenged and to be reflective and to take those pieces and, as you said, if you're the leader of a school or a district, oftentimes you feel like you are supposed to have the answers. And so then when you're challenged, it will lead to a better result a lot of the times, but it's still hard to accept that um, at face value and not feel like it's an undermined thing. It's that shift in mindset, as you were pointing out. That's kind of what was swirling in my head as you were talking there. Right, right. And I just want to add to that piece about mindset because that you know I talked about challenge like leadership mindset is there and it's actually before taking action because that is the foundation of taking action is your mindset so underneath the surface of why people uh, are able to take massive action it's because they have the right kind of mindset around that and I've developed a tool called the mastermind mindset scorecard uh, it's in the book and it has like 12 categories and it's you know way too long I don't want to bore the the listeners with it but the point is that it's, it's very um, typical to school. It's like a rubric, the 12 categories and open to feedback is one of the categories, right? And so you can score yourself, uh, self, self, you know, administered And the neat part about it. And I'd love to see schools make this transition with rubrics. There's a now and a next uh, column. Mm -hmm. And I got this idea from one, another one of my mentors, Dan Sullivan, he runs a thing called Strategic Coach. So credit where credit's due. Uh, but anyways, the now and next is so empowering because you can see where your current reality is, but also make you know uh, aspirational goals for where you want to go. And mm -hmm. that gives me a sense too of like who's interested in the mastermind and if they might be a good fit or not. Uh, but it leads to a very, you know, just engaging conversation about where people are in these 12 categories and how they'd like to grow. And if it makes sense, could we deliver on those goals? Right. And, and mm -hmm. then that's just one way ethically 
I'm very, uh, I'm very happy to invite people to the community when I know I can serve them. Mm. I was thinking, you know, similar to your point about these agreements over expectations. So uh, I was kind of thinking like almost an implicit agreement in joining the mastermind is some acknowledgement of the value of, of back and forth through ideas uh, and diversity of, of thought as sort of helping you to enrich your ideas. I imagine if you didn't think that, you probably would not join a mastermind. Um, but yeah. I think that's like a really nice agreement is just, you know, you, we, we, people who acknowledge that my ideas get better when they're tested, when there's feedback, when there's, um, yeah, you said a willingness to be open to feedback. It reminded me, Kayla, of, uh, you know, I told her, be careful what you wish for because she's doing her dissertation on math mathematics instruction. <laughs> and uh, I said, Kaylee, you know, you're doing, she's like, who should, who should I ask for my other committee? Because I don't have a doctorate. The committee wouldn't let me uh, be, on, be on there. And so I just thought mathematics transfer student efficacy. We got to ask John Hattie. And she was like, do you think John Hattie would say yes? And I was like, well, let's ask him. Okay. In the, Hey, I want to introduce you to my co-author Kayla. Uh, you know, here's what she's thinking. In his response to "Yes, I will serve as your advisor," there was tons of feedback, like already, like uh, before, before he even met. Not tons of, but before he even <laughs> met Kayla, um, you know, he had he had some some quote unquote thoughts. Um, right. And Kayla took it well. Of course, she's ecstatic because John Hattie's going to serve on her advisory committee. But she already changed. She already changed a key component of her research projects based on that initial email. And so Kayla, I just have to give you kudos. You texted me like, Hey, I, I changed, you know, the student group based on Hattie's feedback. Um, and I just thought, wow, that's pretty awesome. You know, like you've, you really get Hattie to give you feedback, but you're, you immediately Im implemented um, his suggestion. So just kudos to you, Kayla, for that. I see, and I, then I said, you got to blog about this because people are going to want to hear what, oh, yeah. did Hattie, what did Hattie tell you? <laughs> and then yeah, what did you do about it? Story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, you know, I just think, I, I think you nailed it, Danny, when you said, people, maybe it's the district, maybe it's parents, maybe it's teachers put this, maybe it's just internal, but a lot of leaders I see feel this pressure to always be right, to know everything, to be completely in control. And, you know, wow, how, how difficult would that be to be in that space? Um, so mm -hmm. any, any sort of uh, stories, lessons learned, aha moments about that, yeah, from any, yeah. of course, no names mentioned, but from any of your participants about like kind of almost coming to realization or I don't know. Well, well to, to your point, you know, one of the epiphanies that members might have is like what's underneath the surface of what you just talked about, Julie, is like wanting the answer. You know, I think it comes down to people pleasing and wanting to be liked. Right. Mm -hmm. What's driving that? Because Here's the thing that I help leaders exercise their voice to say no. <laughs> it's a powerful thing. And it's kind of crazy. Like you can't be everything to everyone. We know this. Everybody knows that and agrees with it. And yet school often tries to do just that. And the school leader tries to be that for people. No, don't do that. There's a guy, Joseph Adler, and uh, there's a book called The Courage to Be Disliked, which I highly recommend too. 
And it's it's really written in a neat format where it's a philosopher and student just having a dialogue throughout the whole book. But the 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 assertion, the idea there is that everybody has like tasks assigned to them, and your job is to do your task. And again, there's tension there, and you got to get confident and back to the authenticity to be okay with with what that is, and to imagine telling parents no. Like that just doesn't really happen. And so anyways, uh, it, yeah, when you reconcile that, it's a liberating experience, you know, and you got to pick and choose. You can't do it every single time. Uh, but when you think about effectiveness and where school needs to go, um, you know, I think that is actually a key, key component. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love that. Okay. We're coming up towards the end of our, our time together. And I love that you have this uh, sort of propensity to action. Kayla is so action oriented. She, she is so funny. I'm like, Hey, we have a WhatsApp message group. And I'm like, Hey, this yeah. is just something pondering in my mind. And she's like, okay, I changed it. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> I love it. She's super, super action oriented. Um, so I think she would love your, uh, your propensity to action. Um, what would you say sort of from mastermind, what's sort of the, the immediate action you would want besides go buy the book, what would be the immediate action you would want listeners to take uh, based on your sort of collective expertise in this area? Get the book. Yes. And then think <laughs> about what it looks like for you to grow yourself as an educator, as a leader and, mm. and you're worth it. Like that mm. really, really matters. Back in 2015, when I started the podcast, uh, I accelerated my ability to create a good podcast, right? That would help a lot of people because I joined a program called Podcasters Paradise. And it's not, you know, it's not a pitch for the program. But my point was I had never spent that amount of money on myself. Mm. And back then, that was scary. It was $1,200. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. That just felt scary. That's and a never lot of money. <laughs> on me, 1200 yeah. bucks on me mm -hmm. and on a passion project. Mm -hmm. Now, actually, fast forward to 2021, uh, six years later, I invested actually $25,000 in leveling up myself this year. But here's the thing. You can see the fruit of all that investment, right? And, and those opportunities that I plugged myself into has allowed and afforded me the honor and privilege to serve a lot of school leaders. And think about the impact, Right. So as a classroom, we had 150 kids. As a school, last school I had, 1,500, 1,800 kids. Master, let's just say on average, 1,000 per principal, right? Give or take, 8,000. And then podcasts, right? And all the listeners. So it all starts with investing in yourself. And what you need to know is you're absolutely worth it. I love that. I love that. That was on your, your LinkedIn post in your six year anniversary. I loved your, I don't know if it was 25 or something sort of lessons learned. Um, and I loved your, your advice to invest in yourself. And that sort of, I pay for a coach. Uh, Kristen Dabney is my, my cognitive coach. She's a life coach. She's a career coach. Um, and it, yeah, it was it initially, right. It, I think it was 1200 was the initial, and I still pay her. We keep going. We have like tune-ups. Um, and sure. you know, I remember, I don't think I even talked to my husband about it. It was like one of those things where I was like, I am doing this and it's crazy yeah. amount of money, but like, I am, I, I need this. And I love the, you are worth it. 
Um, that's yeah. gorgeous. Thank you for that, Danny. Because yes, every human being is worth sort of investing in themselves, growing themselves, leveling up themselves. Excellent. Yeah, and I do have a very quick story if if, if we have. Yeah, time yeah, go for it. So I'm Eileen at the time was a uh, a school leader in China. Okay, and I met her at a teacher fair. She's been a part of the mastermind forever. Met her in London at a teacher fair. These days, she's sailing around the world uh, pursuing a dream of hers. So that's wow. that's where she's at now. But so we met in London. This was pre-COVID. And uh, we went to like Kensington Park, I think. And anyways, she's tall. She's taller than me. So she's like, you know, 6'1 or 6'2. She's tall and can walk fast. She's a New Yorker. So I'm like mm. sprinting, trying <laughs> to just like keep up with her and uh, and just, you know, build relationships, hear about life and that kind of thing. And she said something that was seared into my mind. I'll never forget it. She said, I had to get over the guilt. And I said, Eileen, what did I do? You know, I just assumed it was me. Have I done something to make you feel guilty? Let me correct this. She's like, no, no, it was my guilt. I had to get over my guilt of investing in myself. I said, tell me more. Like I've never, never heard of this. And she goes, I don't think twice about investing in really great, like clothes, you know, to look the part, to look professional. But that doesn't make you a leader, you know, just because you have and look the part and look nice. She said, so I had to I had to reconcile that investing in my mindset and ability to take action and learning and growing, et cetera, et cetera, like that, that was worth it. Right. And and that's why I shared, you know, that you are worth it because Eileen unlocked that for me. I didn't realize that so many people are like, hmm, this is a thing just for me. You know, it's not. It's not a widget. It's not a nice new phone, PS5, <laughs> or <laughs> fancy clothes. Uh -huh. Like this is like about mindset. It's about effectiveness. And so am I worth it? And you are. I mm. figured that out. Everybody listening that they're worth it too. Love that. Love that. Okay. The book is called Mastermind by Corwin Press, also co-published with the Association of Superintendents, uh, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader. And where else can people find you? I know you've got your own podcast. You've got a website. What's what's the best way? You're everywhere on social media. What's the best way for people to find out more about you or connect yeah. with you? Thanks, Julie. So betterleadersbetterschools.com is the website mm -hmm. uh, at Alien Earbud pretty much everywhere on social media. That's an anagram for Daniel Bauer. Take the letters, move them around. You could spell something fun. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, call me or text me 312-788-7595. So Love it. Give it out his phone number on the podcast. Beautiful. Well, Danny, Kayla, it was so such a good conversation. I'm walking away with some great ideas. Thank you guys both so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Conceptually Speaking. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and are coming away with a stronger grasp of the concepts and mental models that help us to understand our world. If you like this podcast, please like, comment, or subscribe on your favorite platform and join our community by visiting learningthattransfers.com.